Roy Red has helped several pro athletes, companies, organizations, and sports teams overcome their mental blocks, reach their peak potential, increase their performance, produce more results, and just have more fun in their life and business. Bring me the energy, all right? Choose will determine what you so hard to be an entrepreneur today because you have to constantly be looking towards the future, figuring out what's working next, because what's working now will not be working in a couple days, in a couple weeks, in a month or two from now. So how can you innovate as an entrepreneur? That's what we're talking about on this episode. Let's bring the show in. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog, business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Entrepreneur Underdog, where we share fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs win in life and business so that they can prove their haters wrong in a positive way. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of innovation and how you can innovate with my good friend Tamara, who I was just on her show, Launch Street, and we just had such a good time that I wanted to speak with her some more and bring her on here to teach you guys some of the stuff that she knows. Tamara, how are you? I'm great. It's good to see you again, Roy. <laughs> I'm, I was like, I do not want to mess. I do not want to say Tamara. I do not want to say Tamara. <laughs> well, I just have to say, I love your intro. And I was just smiling to myself. I don't think you could see me or your audience could see me, but I just this morning was having a conversation with someone that success is the best revenge. Yeah. We were talking about haters and doubters. So I like it. Success is the best revenge. And the also living well is amazing revenge. So real quick, just for the couple people who don't know you, uh, who are you? What do you do? And how do you help entrepreneurs with Launch Street? 
Yeah, so Launch Street is an innovation firm. So basically what we do is we help individuals, teams, entrepreneurs dial up their innovation, become everyday innovators so that they can differentiate themselves and win in the marketplace. And we do that through a range of things. We've got a masterclass coming up. We've got a proprietary research-based assessment that in fact, a lot of entrepreneurs add to their toolbox and use with their clients. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I have a podcast as well. So Kind of like you, I, I've, I found that niche, that, that thing that's helped me accelerate and helped me leapfrog over a little bit of the competition and own the marketplace in my world. And for me, that's been human-centered innovation and how we can dial that up in our businesses and in our life. Yeah. I always talk about the three shortcuts to, to hitting our goals. And one of them is USP, uh, which is unique selling proposition. Um, how do you think about creating a USP or a better way for those who don't don't understand the terminology, how do you help people differentiate themselves from their competition? Well, let's think of it this way. And I'll use, I'll use myself. Actually, you know what? I'm going to use one of our, um, one of our clients as an example and a, and a gentleman that I've had on my podcast. Here's the thing. The marketplace is crowded. So no matter what industry you're in, you have an unbelie unbelievable amount of competition and your customers, your clients have choices. And oh, by the way, one of those choices is to do nothing. It's inertia. And I like to think of it, Roy, as going down the cereal aisle. So I don't know if you've ever been down that aisle at the grocery store, but it's like a sea of choices to the point where you can't decide or figure out what anything is. So you end up buying nothing. Yeah. So oftentimes what I see with entrepreneurs and to your point about unique selling point is we get into the marketplace. We go, okay, I have an expertise or I have a passion in this area. So I'm going to get into this area. And that part is great. But then we look at the industry and we go, what is everybody else doing? Okay. That's what they're doing. Obviously it works. I'm going to do the same, or I'm going to go to market in the same way. I'm going to position my product in the same way. I'm going to talk about myself in the same way. And we miss all the uniqueness, all the value that comes out of that differentiation. Yeah. The key, I think, to the unique selling point is to figure out what makes you ownable and defendable. So ownable meaning unique to you that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. What is it that you provide that value? And defendable meaning it's hard for the competition to keep up, right? It creates a kind of a, like a moat if you were a castle. I'm going to give you one quick example of someone in my world. His name is Ben Parsons. Uh -huh. He owns Infinite Monkey Urban Winery, downtown Denver. So they don't make wine in the vineyards. It's not some fancy name like Chateau, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. He was the first to put wine in single serve cans. And I will tell you what, Roy, when he's right, I love the look on your face. What? When he first did that, the industry went crazy. You can't yeah. do that. Wine is fancy. That's not how we serve wine. But in the meantime, he made a huge splash in the marketplace. He brought new customers back into the market because younger people didn't care about fancy wine. They just wanted to pop open a glass, right? Yeah. Or you could take it hiking and to football tailgates. So he opened up new distribution channels. Mm -hmm. So I love Ben's story because to me, that's a great example of, hey, if you're looking at your world, your industry, and everybody's doing it this way, mm -hmm you want to go in the opposite direction and say, well, how do I do it in a way that's ownable and defendable? And of course, meaningful, meaningful to your customer. It, it's got to provide value to them. Yeah. Well, that's super huge. It's funny you say that. Uh, your two kind of two things you spoke on. One, uh, for the most recent, putting wine in cans is huge because yeah. like, I'll go out with friends and I'll usually get red wine because it's just more healthier and well, in my opinion. And I'll 
people like they'll I'll get like shot at real quick like oh look at the wine guy or look at this bougie guy and imagine being to just have a can of red wine where I don't have to deal with that that's super smart and then also I just want to say anybody who walks down the cereal aisle cinnamon toast crunch is the best cereal ever made because when you're done eating it voila you have horchata so oh my god I love it <laughs> so, so I love it check. <laughs> that is good to know and you know what that was a great example of as an entrepreneur, if yeah. your clients will give you that shout out and be like, hey, everybody, yeah. you should buy this, you're winning. Yeah. Um, the way we kind of explain it is we call it a category of one. So yeah. that way your audience is not choosing who to work with. They could just simply choose yes or no. So for example, a USP of Entrepreneur Underdog podcast it's a podcast for entrepreneurs who feel like the underdog because a lot of us have our families who don't understand what we're doing. They don't know what we're doing. They don't think we're going to become rich or whatever our goals are. And a lot of us feel alone. So I found that resonated with the audience. Yeah. Can I, I'll give you another example next. I think that's a, uh -huh. a great one. Um, in our business, so we're in innovation. Innovation is a big word with a lot of players and a lot of people who like to pretend to be innovation experts because they're like, oh, I'm a little creative, so I'll be an innovation expert, which is it's not the same. It's not how it works. But uh, when I looked out at our marketplace, I realized that everybody in my space was about innovation process, methods like design thinking, agile, lean, right? They were all very systems driven. And I looked at that and I thought, okay, so first of all, oftentimes they fail because there's no buy-in, there's no engagement, it's a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. And also, nobody's playing in this human side of innovation, which is where I have passion and expertise. So why would I try to be like them when I can be a category of one on this human side yeah. and building our assessment, which is my intention in it was to help you understand how you innovate and to make it tangible. Yeah. But it turned out it, it made a moat around it created a moat around us because for other people to do what we did is going to take them a lot of work. So. I love that. I love your example of category one, because I think we really have to think hard about how are we different than our competition in a way that's really meaningful. And I think in order to do that, we have to really think differently than everybody else. So we've got to, we have to be innovators to make that happen. Yeah. And, you know, business fundamentals, market message, then media. And if you don't yeah. dial in your, your message, you can't even dial in your message until you know how you're different. And then once you dial in that yep. message is how you're different being communicated across all channels. But I want to ask you because I you you touched on it before I was going to ask you, but I wanted to still ask you. Yeah, it's it's I don't I can't innovate like innovation is hard to do. It's not systemized. It takes right brain thinking instead of left brained. It takes creativity how do you go about thinking about that? How do you help entrepreneurs innovate? Because it's one of those things that's extremely hard to do, almost like only only the, only the someone who's skilled in it can do it or maybe just blessed with it. I am about to jump out of my seat. I'm so excited in the way you asked the question, Roy. I'm about to blow your mind. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. Those things that you just said are what I used to believe as well. Okay. right? It's for the select few. It's really hard. It takes the right brain. Here's what I discovered in my 25 years of work and research, delving into the neuroscience, behavior psychology of it. 
what I learned actually blew those assumptions out the door because that's what I used to think too. And by the way, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's hard, so therefore it is. So let me just tell you a few facts that I think are going to change how you see yourself and even how you approach your day-to-day -day work. Yeah. First of all, it turns out that researchers used to believe that innovation was for the select few, right? You were either born with it or you weren't. Turns out what research now shows is that we all have the structures for innovation in our brain. We all have them. We have intelligence and we have innovation and they're actually distinct. So you don't have to be a Harvard grad to be an innovator. You just need to exercise that part of you. Yeah. Turns out, and I used to believe this too, I used to think, oh, I'm either doing super right brain, like creative things like, um, you know, stuff I do with sticky notes yeah. or I am doing left brain things like analytical type stuff. Turns out that's not true. What MRIs now shows that innovation is actually a whole brain experience. It's like a lot of loosely connected side roads in your brain. So here's the thing, Roy. Mm -hmm. Our brains are not a muscle, but in this way, it acts like one. So it's not technically a muscle, but it, it works like it. Okay. So here's the thing. So you think innovation is hard and challenging. What I really see is you just haven't strengthened that muscle in your mind because you haven't thought that you could. Yeah. And that's okay. So, so what's awesome about it is the brain works like the muscle. The more we activate it, the more we exercise it, right? The more we give it fuel, the stronger it gets, just like your leg muscles. Mm -hmm. So the more we practice, the more of an innovator we become, the less, the less of an innovator we become. So I get all excited about this, as you can tell, but mm -hmm. most, a lot of our clients, when they come to us, they say, well, I'm not the innovator. It's, it's Jessica with her cool glasses and her funky outfit, or it's Elon Musk because he's on the cover of magazines and he wears like, you know, but there you go. See, now you're an innovator. So, and, and the challenge that we have is when we believe that about ourselves, our brain validates it. So then it goes, hey, you're right. You're not an innovator. So all that research is what led us to develop that assessment, the IQE, the innovation quotient edge that actually pulls all that science together to show you your style of innovation. And Roy, your style is different than mine. Yeah. So if you try to innovate like me, it's not going to work. And then you're going to reinforce this. I'm not an innovator. But if you innovate in the way that works for you, it is so easy. And what people really come to realize, and I think this is really important for entrepreneurs because we don't have time to waste. We don't have resources to waste. Our mind is our greatest asset in building our business. And we've got to dial in and strengthen that innovation muscle so that we can apply it and actually go further faster. I mean, working hard, you know, working hard is one thing, but you got to be innovative inside of that too. Otherwise you could just keep churning and churning and not get anywhere. It's the innovation that makes the difference. So that was kind of a long answer to yeah. your, your question, but I used to feel the same way. I used to think I wasn't an innovator. And then it turns out we all are, we just do it in our own way and we have to strengthen it and we have to use it intentionally. So I use Kobe index and innovation mm -hmm. under Kobe index is called a quick start. And, mm -hmm. um, the way she's explaining it is this your, um, your MO, like how you operate, your modus, you know, how you operate, how, how you take action. And the way I take action and the way I do innovate is with uncertainty. For some reason, I love uncertainty and pressure and stress and yeah. that stuff that most people don't like. I love that stuff. That's my quick start. How can someone else figure out how they uh, in innovate? Is there a so process? Yeah. So it's funny. So first of all, let me just tell you, I, on my assessment, I'm a, what's called a risk taker experiential. There's nine triggers, nine styles or ways 
you have two power triggers. So minor risk taker and experiential. That risk taker overlaps with what you're saying. I innovate when I'm uncomfortable. I need to get uncomfortable to innovate. I want to leap and build the, the plane as I go. Mm-hmm. And it's not careless. It's not impulsive because we can get mistaken for that. Yeah, it is. That's how I innovate. And the experiential side of me is I innovate by doing, right? Like, like I can see things when I can see them. I can innovate. If it's stuck in my head, I can't. Other people are like another um, one is collaborative tweaker. Collaboratives are people who pull disparate ideas and experiences and perspectives together to create a whole innovation. And tweakers are all about it's never done, right? They're always editing, evolving, because for them, innovation's one tweak away. So here's the easiest way to figure it out. Go to our website and take the assessment because then you'll know. I'll tell you exactly how you innovate based on science and, and all the research and the time behind it. And that's at Launch Street. Uh-huh. That's a go to launchstreet.com. There's buttons all over the website. If you're like, I'm just going to sit at my desk and figure out what works for me. Here's what I would do. I would sit there and I would say, when am I in flow? Like, what do I do that activates flow for me? Because what we also have discovered in our research is that when you know how you innovate, you can get yourself into flow faster because you know what works for you. Yeah. So for me, for example, like clearing off my desk and starting with a blank piece of paper helps me get into flow because I'm all about the risk, the new, even if I'm working on something like my schedule. For other people, it might be having four conversations that spark new thinking and get you going. We all have different ways. So if you're out there and you're like, what, how about like right now? What, how do I know what kind of innovator I am? Yeah. Just think about what gets you into flow. That's huge. And then that leads to mastery, which in my opinion mm-hmm. is the biggest human drive is we all desire to master something, but it takes getting into that flow consistently in order to do that. Real quick, let's reset the room. Thank you for everyone who is on live. We're talking about how to unlock the power of innovation with my my good friend tomorrow. She is teaching us how to innovate. She told us to go to her website and she will teach you how you innovate if you take her innovation test. And if you have any questions about innovation or just about anything, if you're on YouTube, that'll be on the chat on your right. If you're on Facebook, that'll be on the chat below. And we will ask your questions live. Question for me. Lead generation. Do you have have to differentiate yourself before you could lead gen? And do you have any ideas, tactics, just any clarity you can give on how some of our audience members could figure out how to systemize lead gen and start some lead gen? So I do think you have to differentiate, but I think there's really two places and I've learned this the hard way. Uh, one is how you communicate. And the other thing is what, what your message, what you communicate about. So I think if you, to your point, get your USP nailed down and you understand your category one, the message is clear. Yeah. The challenge we all face is that the we're all inundated by messages right now. LinkedIn, email, Facebook. I mean, I can't, my texts, like I cannot keep up yeah. with the inbound communication. So that is true for all of our clients and our customers. It's true on social media if you're on there, but let's, I, I think you kind of are asking me really more about lead gen versus social media. Yeah. So I think number one, you got to figure out your unique message and you have to not be afraid to sound really personal in your messages. Sometimes I get emails and it's like, dear Tamara, I would greatly appreciate a moment of your time for the purpose of reviewing said documents 
And it's like, uh, I, I couldn't be more bored. So the ones that actually resonate with me are the ones that are really personal. And that's what we really try to do. We try to make a connection in our messages. But there's another thing I'd add to it, which is you got to stand out in how you deliver. So I'll, I'll give you all my favorite tool for doing this. You can use it on LinkedIn in the messages. And I do it over emails. And it's called BombBomb, B-O-M-B-B-O-M-B dot com. It is a video messenger tool. It attaches to my Gmail. Mm -hmm. So I send you a video message. Hey, Roy, I'm sitting at my desk and I was thinking about the conversation we had, wanted to follow up and see if you're ready for next steps. Hey, Roy, Tamara here. Um, I know you don't know our company. We do this. I thought given you did this, but it's me saying it on camera. And on the other side of that email, you get like a three second GIF of me going, hi, Roy. And then you click on it and it opens the message. When I use a more human tool and approach, people respond. So I think our, our lead gen, our response rate went up like 37% when we switched to bomb bomb and those type of tools so did you on bomb bomb did you record each video for each person i have both i have some that go to each person so here's what i'd say if there's a big dog i'm going after like i'm like hey nike i got you in my sight right? I see yeah. that you're the you know ambassador of culture at nike i'm gonna i'm gonna do my research and then i'm gonna reach out to you personally if I'm trying to kind of do a thing to get people on a webinar that's uh, all HR directors, I might do a mass one that still feels personal, but isn't to each person. So it depends. I do it both ways. But I love the tool. And I think the key with lead gen is don't be, first of all, don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. The, the worst that can happen is they ignore you. Really? That's the worst thing. You know what? I think that's huge because people are afraid to send that email. They're afraid to call. They don't want to get a no, you know, and, you know, I think guys kind of learn this early because when we go to holler at girls, we get no's all the time. So we learn to deal with no who get on my face or just ignores. But some people are really rude. Stop. Take me off your list. Like they're really rude when they tell you no and you just got to deal with it. And um, it is what it is. Yeah. And, you, and you know what? Um, if I get no's like that, I look mm -hmm. back and say, could I have done my message better? And I evolve and I learn, yeah. but you get a lot of no's. And I think you have to be purposeful. You know, I got an email the other day from someone who was trying to get on my podcast and it said, I'd love to be on your podcast, insert podcast name. They'd forgotten to take out and add my podcast name. And I laughed because I've done it myself when I was yeah. early in my career, but like be mindful and be personal. And you know what? Here's what I found, Roy. And I know you do this too, because mm -hmm. I know because you emailed me right originally about the podcast. It takes two more minutes to make your message more personal, do a little bit more research. I just, I think it's like we spray and pray and, and hope it works and it doesn't. And then we think the medium's wrong. It's usually how we're doing it that's wrong. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do when I work with my business owners is we'll do uh, lead generation. And mm. so um, I didn't get any money from this, but someone paid $500 just for our coaching and they wanted to know how I was able to get my conversion rates. And I didn't know that they were going to be working with the Venetian resort in Las Vegas. Oh. So I was like, well, what's going on? They were like, well, we can't get people to open the email. And I'm like, well, open email rates are subject line problems. Let me see the subject. Yeah. And their subject lines were, were trash. And I'm like, bro, they can tell that this is marketing in the subject line. I was like, 
number one subject line is quick question because that might get him to open it. And then mm-hmm. I gave him my secret sauce, which I'll just share is I said, after the initial one, every email should say R-E and then the subject line. So it'll be like you're replying from an old yeah. email. So it's more. Yeah. And they did that. And um, they ended up getting getting like raising like 10, I think 10x on open rates on Venetian Resort emails for like the little segment that they let them test and ended up getting hired at like 10k a month from them to do legion and help with email stuff and i'm like <laughs> i want 50 percent that's bad karma right there on yeah. them but um you know i yeah. think your subject line is important when we we underestimate the importance of that one simple thing that tells you if you're going to open it or not and i re is brilliant I love that. Mm-hmm. I've also found that I type my subject lines like I'm talking to you directly. Hey, quick question. Got a, t- a minute to give me some advice? Like, how would you talk to a friend? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to tell you, my son said the most fascinating thing the other, other day to me. He said, what do you do? He's oddly curious at 12 years old. And he said, what are you doing today? I said, oh, I'm doing a bunch of lead generation because I believe, first of all, and always doing lead gen. I don't care how many inbound calls are coming. There are people who need to know about me and about my work. So I'm going to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. He goes, Oh, well, are you messaging them personally? And I said, yeah, why do you ask? He said, well, I guess when people message me personally, I respond, but if they send me a mass email or I see an ad, I just don't pay attention to it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that just nailed it to me. Like, all right. So even when I'm sending an email to my thousands of people, on my newsletter list, I need to think about I'm emailing Roy and what does Roy want from me and how can I say this to him in a way that is like we're at a coffee shop and we're talking or I'm emailing you directly and we lose sight of that sometimes. Yeah. And and you shared a tool. I'm going to go get it. I don't know if you have an affiliate link so you can get credit, but I don't. But bomb bomb, call me because all the time. (laughs) Give me a call. That's huge. All right. Let's talk sales. So now you're getting and this is a problem I'm having. Maybe you can help me. How much leads can you handle and then how you convert them to actual customers? Because I don't really, it's it's just me and one other employee right now. And I, I, I think we can handle about a thousand inbound leads a week um, um, going through and putting them in a CRM. Um, yeah. Um, this podcast is sponsored by HiveMind CRM. If you need a CRM platform service, go to hivemind.live.com. Uh, they don't really sponsor, but I... Uh, I advise for them and it's a amazing like tool. <laughs> it's an amazing tool. Yeah. Um how much can you handle or how do you know how much can you handle? Cuz I I believe what you what you say bring them bring them leads and then how yeah. do you convert them into sales? Is it what do you think's best? Phone calls, emails, um does it depend? Uh, what ideas can you give on that? So uh, for my business, so, so let me give you a little context of my price points, just since we're pulling back the curtain and talking like real deal. Expensive. So, you know, if you go to my website, right, you pay $45 for, or $47 for my assessment. Mm-hmm. If you sign up for our masterclass, you're paying anywhere between 2,500 to 3,500. Mm-hmm. If you're hiring me to do a keynote consulting, like, you know, one of those type of things, you're talking in the five figures. So I think different channels have different, uh, processes that we follow because they're different, right? So it's very easy for someone on a website to spend $47. 
For that, we have a live chat function that we're on all the time. One of us is on. In fact, oftentimes it's me because I love it. I love to hear the questions that come in because yeah. we can just answer them instantly because they don't they don't need to talk to us for a $47 sale. And frankly, that's gumming up our system for the bigger sales that we need to be handling. You know or you don't know for a $47 sale. So for the other ones, I find that scheduling discovery calls is the best way. So when someone reaches out to us, our call to action, the thing we want to drive them to is to set up that call. Yeah. So people rarely call out of the blue anymore. I mean, I've got my work line, but I don't feel like anyone ever calls me, but they email all the time. So what we have found is, first of all, we have an automatic email that goes back that says, thank you so much for reaching out or for filling out our contact form. If you'd like to talk to Tamara directly, like here's, your, here's the Calendly link. Yeah. So they can do it directly. Um, if they haven't done that, then our job is then to respond to them, answer any question, of course, in their email, and then try to get them on the call. So we can handle a pretty large volume. And here's what I'd say, and I think you probably are proof of this. The more balls in the air that you can handle, the more successful your business is going to be. And um, it is a matter of not dropping balls. So the other thing that we do is we have something called pipe drive. Mm-hmm. And I like visual. So it's kind of a, a visual way of, of managing things. So we have things categorized as inquiries, meaning like they sent an email, but they haven't scheduled a call. And then we've got in discussion and then we've got proposals. And our goal is always to move things, obviously, down that pipe to get to the next one, to get to proposal. Yeah. And so. So I think having those systems of Calendly, having the automatic emails, having pipe drive those things have allowed us to manage a lot of people. And then we automate the tasks like tomorrow, follow up with so-and-so in five days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I found that when I was dropping, dropping the sales kind of opportunities or missing them and time kills all deals, by the way, in my opinion. So like you got to get on the stuff yeah. and don't be afraid to respond within, like if you haven't heard from them, unless you have some set time, respond within a couple, couple days because time kills deals. Yeah. And I think those systems, though, have allowed us to handle a lot at any given time. And it also allows us to look at our, our pipeline. So we look and we go, "How? all right, we have X dollars in inquiry. We have X dollars in proposals. We have X dollars in, I mean, in discussion and then in proposal. And we know our conversion rate. So now we know how many balls we even have to have in the air over here to get to our end goal. Mm-hmm. I have to, hopefully that answered your question. I went off on a little bit of tangents. Yeah, that but- does. See that, guys, what we talk about. She knows her lead measures that lead to lag measures. Yeah. That's how we guarantee results. Um, and yeah, I so you talked it. about that. Yeah, I love that so yeah. much because, once, man, once you know those lead measures, the minds are emails. <laughs> All I got to do is emails. Yeah, so I can, well, I, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. And um, so, like, let's say, for example, I went to San Diego and had a fun weekend. I just met my lead measures early in the week so then I can leave my business because I think a great business is a business that constantly makes revenue, but you don't have to be there all the time, you know? Yes. You know, I think, um, so my business before COVID was on the go. I mean, I was on a plane multiple times every single week, which sounds very glamorous, but it is not. Not No. It's exhausting. I mean, most of my, almost everything we did, aside from the assessment, was live. The assessment was part of it. Yeah. And COVID forced me to reassess my business model. And honestly, Roy, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think we, I think as entrepreneurs, it's really wonderful when we figure out the match between what we want out of our life 
and what we want out of our business and what our customers need. And when we kind of put those things together, like you have, it's really exciting and it keeps us energized and it's powerful and we can do the things that we want to do in the way we want to do them, but still serve our customers. I mean, I will, let me just, I'm going to go off on one little soapbox for one second and tell you that uh, I did have someone call me the other day who I know, a colleague who said, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm really struggling with new business. And I said, great, here are three times I can talk over the week. Your friend, I will like, I'll jump and help you. And they said, I can't those three days because those three days are supposed to be really good. So I'm going to go for a bike ride. But can you talk in the afternoon? And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you right now why your business isn't doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Sales happen in the morning, buddy. (laughs) So That's true. So true. Yeah. And the other thing that I do just as a random side note is, you can't see my planner, but um, I have a, I have my calendar, but I have a paper planner that's more about just keeping my mind organized of what has to happen, not like my calendar. And I, I like paper. I'm a little old school that way. Yeah. I have ticks. Every time I do a sales activity, I put a tick. And my goal is to make sure I, I have at least 10 a day of like really serious activities, not exactly. checking in on a friend, but like setting up a phone call, getting a discovery call scheduled, talking to a potential client. Yeah. Um, you know, doing something that leads to a sales, it just keeps me energized. And I know, I know that if I keep the ticks going, the money comes. Money comes. Yeah. yeah. I, it's a little like little thing that I've learned for myself. Yeah. Like my mentor said, and he said this, uh, we just interviewed him a couple of shows ago, Ed Rush. He said, money does not create freedom. Systems create freedom. Mm. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's so true. All right, tomorrow we are about to jump into the red zone where I ask five fast acting questions that I found are usually hard for people like me and you to answer. Are you ready? Wait, let me warm up. Okay, now <laughs> stretch it out. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. All right. What's your favorite book and why? Oh my gosh. My favorite book is The Alchemist because it is the most insightful yet simply told book out there. And I think for entrepreneurs, you'll find it incredibly insightful and find, and yeah, and finding your purpose. I love it. Always stay on your personal legend, never veer off. Mm-hmm. So huge. What's your favorite quote or a quote you live by and why? Oh, so the one I love, and it's too long to say the whole thing is man in the arena. Oh my God. Okay. All time, like just, you are in there with the blood, sweat, and tears, and don't listen to the people in the stands because they're not the ones doing it. So, and I think for your underdog, right? That's that's what it's all about. At, that's um, I'm, I, I I haven't talked to him about this, but I think that's LeBron's favorite quote too because he quotes it so much. And of course, uh, I assume yeah. you saw uh, Brene Brown's talk on that. If you're not yeah. in the arena, don't even give me any advice. No, I believe me, those people I do not listen to. Love that so much. Would you rather be loved or respected? Oh, oh no. (laughs) Oh, by whom? I guess is the question. I would like to be loved by my man, but I'd like to be respected by my peers and my clients. How's that? Huge, huge. Okay, if you could spend 24 hours with anyone who's ever lived in history, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, so this is... Right now, my answer, because I just read both of his books and I absolutely loved him. And I think he's so hardcore and insightful and would never let me get, get away with anything. Uh-huh. And that's Tim Grover. He is the the performance coach to Michael. Uh, he was to Michael Jordan, to Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just he has two books, Winning and Relentless. And he is 
hard AF. And I just, I really like his approach of like, you go and you do it. And I just, I'd love to, to just sit and listen to him talk about winning. Word, word. You know, I have um, some athlete connections and I'll see if I can get him on your show. I'll do my best oh. this week to try to get him on your show. He's relentless, oh. one of my favorite. Cleaner, being a clothes oh, right. cleaners. Oh, <laughs> Winnie was, oh man, I, I, okay, so I bought the audio and then I bought the book because it was so good that I was like, I need to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> if you could get him on my podcast, I, I don't know what I would get you, but it would be good. I promise I you have, that. I have three people that can connect oh. with him. I'm going to call, text, and email all three of them today and do my best for you. Last Amazing. one is what is success to you? Hmm. Success for me is freedom. And that is when I've achieved a place where I feel like I have freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of choice, and freedom of opportunity. And I think that's true for a lot of us entrepreneurs. But for me, success is actually about freedom. Yeah. That's so huge. It's so clutch. Yeah. All right. Tamara, what do you got going on? I know you said you got some stuff from my audience. Where can they follow you? I got your Instagram handle below. Um, What can we do? Yeah. So uh, if you go to my website that, or if you type in Lawn Street or Tamara, I, I'm all over. So uh, any of the channels. So whichever you use the most is the place to connect with me. Uh, I would love to just tell people in one sentence, we have this masterclass coming up in a week and a half. It is for entrepreneurs, coaches, strategic advisors, leaders who want to add our human-centered innovation method to their toolbox. So we've got a bunch of coaches and entrepreneurs out there who leverage this tool to provide value to their clients and to their teams. Mm -hmm. We take you through a whole certification process and then give you ongoing tools and support. Innovation is one of the most essential and sought after tools right now, given, well, given everything and our ability to adapt. As I said the other day to someone, um, you can plan but you can't predict. And that's why innovation is so important. So huge. So much value in everything you gave us. Thank you so much. Um, Is there anything I should have asked you? Oh, uh, no, but I'll ask you a question. How's that? Okay. This is the Long Street Podcast. Yeah, (laughs) we're just going to turn the tables. What's one thing I'd be surprised to learn about you? like a hobby, a passion. This is my favorite question to ask people. And by the way, if you're in sales or you're selling your business, ask this question. People will light up and talk about themselves. But I do want to know, Roy, like what's one thing? I I love, I like country music a lot. Oh, I do find that surprising. Mm-hmm. And my dad yeah. actually, um, every day I live with my dad and this is where I learned to hustle. He would go to work, um, get home at 11 p.m., and wake up at, go to sleep around, he would read from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m., 12.30, he would fall asleep sleep, reading and wake up at 4 a.m. blasting. I got my, a barbecue stand on my white t-shirt or here's a quarter, call someone who cares. Or it's a, beautiful day, it's a great day to be alive by Travis Tritt and then go back to work. And he did that for years without complaint, without anything. And, and then he was able to open his own gym and all that stuff. But Watching that dude, listening to that, like he was just set set such a great example for for me in my life. I love that question so much. Thank you for sharing that with me on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, and I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna yeah. It's actually a, you know talking about lead gen. It's actually a great way to open up a conversation with people because 
people, we all love to talk about ourselves and you learn so much. Like I just learned so much about you. Yeah. To get people um, engaged in you is to be curious about them. So if yeah. you want to be, if you want people curious about you, be curious about them. You know, that's, I love what you're wearing and don't be fake about it. Actually yeah, engage and look at something that you really uh, love or are curious about with them and then start talking and it just flows from there. Well, and I find that um, the best business calls I have mm -hmm. are obviously when I'm clear about my ask at the end, because I do think that's another thing. We got to be clear, but I'll, we'll spend more of the time talking about whatever sparked that conversation, like country music, yeah. than like even spending about the work. People want to connect. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah, especially now where we have to stay in the house. Especially. <laughs> yeah. Tired of this. I'm tired of looking at this. So happy events are open. I got like five speaking uh, gigs. Oh, the money's flowing. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see you out there on the speaker circuit. I hope so. Thank you so much for coming on again. Make sure you guys connect LinkedIn, Instagram, go to Lime Street, take her innovation test and uh, really connect to her because she's a world-class entrepreneur, business owner, and just, just person all together. Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you, Roy. Thanks for all you do. Thank you guys for listening in live. For everyone who listened live, we're going to post this episode on every modalities over the next couple of days. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share. Make sure you like. Until next time, always remember to be yourself. Peace. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog. Business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red.